Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bleeding Blue. And we are back, officially back after a bit of a hiatus. And oh boy, do we have a treat for everyone Drew Casey is here. Renato, you usually like to clap whenever I say something good. There you go. There you go. There you go. Drew Casey is here. If you do not know who Drew is, you better buckle up for quite a resume we have here. <laughs> yeah, Drew, Drew is awesome. Drew's awesome. Fordham Ram, class of 2017. Now, this next thing is the most important part of this his resume. He's a St. Peter's Prep graduate, class of 2013. Drew has won a wide range of awards for play-by-play and broadcasting. He's done everything from play-by-play for minor league ball. Yeah, hold hold your breath on this. (laughs) Minor league ball, Fordham Athletics, St. John's play-by-play for lacrosse, softball, and soccer. A production assistant for Westwood Westwood One Sports, which in my opinion, I, I love Westwood One Sports, especially listening to like Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football. And all the stuff that they do there, it's always such a difficult thing to execute national telecasts well, like cough, cough, ESPN, Sunday Night Baseball. I'm not not the biggest fan, but anyway. Um, so Drew's a part of that. Um, Westwood One Sports, they do a fantastic job, something that's very hard to do. He's a studio host and producer of IMG College. And Drew works with UConn Athletics, Florida State, covers TCU, Kansas, Boston College, University of Texas, El Paso, too. And, of course, Drew is an on-camera host of the pregame coverage at Yankee Stadium, covering highlights, recaps, game previews, and also does voiceover for Yankees On Demand time by time. Oh, boy. Drew, did I cover everything? How did I do? <laughs> I wanted to interrupt you and say that you're starting to uh, to make things up, but I appreciate the uh, the kind introduction. And... Uh, the most important thing, like you said, uh, prep for life. St. Peter's prep, and uh, and glad to hop on and talk some Yankees with you guys. Awesome, awesome. So Drew's basically living out the life and putting in the work of the stuff that I dream about doing and what I think I'm going to do in my second life. Um, but hence why I started a mediocre podcast. We make also it, have make it your first life. Make it your first <laughs> life. You still got the time. Amen, amen. So we also have our beloved Renato Rodriguez here. Howdy, guys. And myself. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. And if you're a first-time listener, then we usually have an intro song playing right now. But in honor of last weekend's massacre, non something, man. In honor of last weekend's massacre against the Red Sox, no intro song today. We're not doing it. It's no, 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 not happening. And if you're also a first-time listener, hello. Thanks for listening. My name is Justin. You can follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 This podcast is called Bleeding Blue. It's a Yankees podcast. It's a New York football Giants podcast once the season really gets started. Uh, hey, Sam Darnold looked good. We're not talking about that. I'm just going to put that out there. I heard, <laughs> I heard he looked good. Wish the Giants took a quarterback. We will probably make and develop some sort of schedule as the fall comes. But since it's summer, the schedules are still probably chaos. Renato, we'll start off with you today. How are you? And make sure that you promote 
the thing that I know that you want to promote. Don't forget about that. Okay. So, I mean, I, I was feeling awesome until the game going going on currently, but I wouldn't want to talk about that right now. Um, yes, the thing I'm going to promote is I do, I'm doing now series recaps. I used to do daily recaps of the Yankee game. Now I'm doing series recaps on SoundCloud. All right, so you can follow me on soundcloud.com slash Renato-Rodriguez-9873535. Put, we'll put the link in the podcast description. So that well, that's, a, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. I'll do that for you. <laughs> that's a very good idea, Justin. Um, but, yeah, if you want to listen to some series recaps of all, all the Yankee series going on from now to the end of the year, follow me there. And what I what I like about your recaps is that what a lot of guys on Twitter like Joe Z and John Boy and what a lot of people do is they make them like they do them instead of because they do it after the game. So you do it after the series. So what they what you do is that they're multiple minutes long. So if you're a Yankees fan that doesn't necessarily feel like listening to an hour, an hour, 20 minute long podcast, but you also want more than a minute recap of each game. They just go to you. You can get, boom, it's quick. Right. It's a few minutes, and you go in depth, and you kind of just free-for-all it and just say oh, what you want to say, which I kind of like that. There's a lot, a lot of free-for-all with that, a lot of free-for-all, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, things I like to do with that, with those. A lot, a lot of ranting, a lot of ranting. Right. Yeah, yeah, especially especially as of late, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Boone gets a lot, of, a lot of rants from me lately. Oh, boy. And Drew, how are you doing today, bud? Not too bad, not too bad. Life is good. Uh, if you are following the Yankee game currently, you do know that, uh, well, the Yankees are on the wrong end of a, let's see, 10 to 5 right now. But uh, all is well. Uh, all is well. Happy to be with you guys. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I'm kind of thinking about this episode being like a part interview with you. And then also like a, since we haven't had a, a podcast episode in a, in a while, thinking like, a state of the evil empire kind of like where are we in the season you know we're kind of like in the the silly the silly days and the dog days of summer where you're kind of post July post trade deadline but you're still you know you start, there's still a ton of baseball left to be played and i feel like yankee fans collectively just need to take a breath and that's what i kind of want this episode to be i want this to be like hey we have drew casey on this is absolutely fantastic and then also like let's take a breath yankee nation like let's we need to collectively take a breath as a as a as a fan base so how does that sound with everybody i i i like that i like that let's do it all right so drew we're gonna we're gonna start off with you so clearly now i obviously now i'm gonna here's here's what i did i went online <laughs> went, on, went on twitter I clicked okay. on, clicked on your website, and I looked at your resume, and that's what I basically cheating, I, I man. Cheating, cheating. I, well, cheating. I had a, I had to. Um, yeah, that's preparation. That's what we call preparation uh, in the business. You got to be prepared. No yeah. more, no, almost know what the answers are, are are going to be, or at least where you want to steer the conversation. So yeah, step one to a to a good sports media professional, right there. There you go. So you you do a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you you do from. Things that you do kind of like behind the scenes with the Yankees and then your production work. And then also you do play-by-play, whether it be radio, broadcasting. You did some radio shows when you were in college. So I kind of want to ask you, I've been fascinated for 
quite a few years now, ever since probably like my junior year, my senior year in college of like sports media. And I really got into sports radio. And then I got into broadcasting, which all in all got me more into sports. Like without all of those things, I wouldn't be into, especially like the Yankees. I would not be as much into the Yankees as I am right now. So I kind of want to ask you if you maybe know, what's your favorite kind of work that you do now? whether it be like the, your production work, your play-by-play, your broadcasting, et cetera. What's your favorite kind of work to do? So um, not only because this is a Yankees-geared podcast, but my, my, my favorite work to, to do, at least in the work that I, that I do right now, is certainly w- with the Yankees when I have the opportunity uh, to, be, to be at Yankee Stadium uh, on, on, the, uh, on the scoreboard and – and all the in-house televisions prior to the game with a, with a preview, whether that's a couple of minutes or closer to, to ten minutes, depending on if they had, if they were victorious the day before or not, highlights and such. And being in the locker room post game is, is really um, a very cool perk of the job. Obviously, you're, you're you're there to work, and I had an opportunity to be there in, in a different capacity uh, towards the end of my college career, doing some radio stringing work which is basically just gathering sound bites for for radio stations that are not in the greater new york area uh, but i would say working for the yankees you you, you walk into yankee stadium uh, especially this year uh, and last year too but especially this year you walk in and, that, and i'm sure you guys have, have been there you got forty five thousand plus people there um and you have you have 30 plus thousand people there at six forty five or six thirty when when I'm doing uh, my main role uh, of sort of the game preview, the in-house pregame show, uh, if you will. So certainly uh, the Yankees, but uh, I like to uh, I like to dip around and do it all, at least at this point in my career, and it's uh, it's served me well so far. No, that's that's absolutely awesome. And part of what I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the amount of people that are at Yankee Stadium this year, and you truly are right. I mean, we Renato and I were just at a game where. Um, we they broke some sort of record for most sellouts in a season since, mm-hmm. since the first the, season. Yeah, Renato, say that fact. Twenty first, maybe or something. 20. I think it was like twenty fifth sell, twenty sixth sell, but it's like the most sellouts they've had since they opened the, the new stadium. So you know, people are going, and that's you know that that's exactly you know in the in the in the words of uh, Joe Girardi, except not really. It's what you want instead of it's not what you want. So timing is everything right this can be kind of like a, a a no shit sherlock kind of question but in your experience you know timing is everything how much more fun is the job like now that you've come you've been with the yankees since last year right correct since last year in, the, in this current role yep awesome so how much more fun is the job and how much more fun is the work that you do and maybe not even just with the yankees but in general when the team and the athletics that you're that you're covering when they're more successful and when the product on the field of play is more entertaining like how does how much more fun does that make the job or does it really not make a difference at all no you know it, it, here's what i'll say to that it, it does make a difference but it also shouldn't and really doesn't in the long run and what i mean by that is well it makes a difference in terms of what you might get out of your job in terms or what you might be able to present to the people viewing your work or watching it or listening to it or whatever, because the players will be more receptive. They'll be more available and they'll be, they'll be generally happier and, you know, more pleasant to see you just, you know, a 
person-to-person interaction. Whereas if if you or I or Arnado um, went to work one day and had a really good day for whatever reason, we're going to be a lot happier when we get home as opposed to if we had a really bad day or if it was raining or if we got caught in a thunderstorm, maybe we wouldn't be as happy. So it certainly helps uh, from that perspective. But from the professional perspective, um, you know, you're there to do a job. You're not a fan. There's, you know, there's no cheering. There's no, no nothing like that. And I'll get more on that in a second. But um, you're there to do a job, and you have to do that job. And you have to ask the hard questions when they when they lose, or if somebody makes an error, or if people are questioning a decision that was made maybe by the manager or the coach, things like that. So those are the tougher points of the job. Sometimes those can be the more rewarding parts because you can develop even more of an interpersonal relationship with a player or a coach because they acknowledge that you you asked that question, but you, you phrased it in a way that was respectful and they know that you're there just to do a job. And then in the future, that can that can pay bigger bigger dividends. But uh, shorter answer to your, to your question, it's a lot nicer when the team is winning. Everyone's a lot happier, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, still, a, it's still a job. Uh, job to do to to provide whatever um whatever service to the fans uh usually how that is you are now if there's one thing that i know about new york sports broadcasting and you know you mentioned work and all the things that comes with the job of covering a team is that if you want to make it big you go to fordham like there's just if you want to make it big, that that's the place to go. You know, from Vince Scully, Michael Kay, and then a personal favorite I I know of uh, Renato and myself, Ryan Rucco. Um, I love Ryan Rucco. Oh, I will. Maybe maybe we'll we'll save our uh, we'll save our our hot takes on uh, on our oh how much we love Ryan Rucco for maybe <laughs> maybe another time. But Rucco's um, a very good guy. He's a great guy, great person too, as well as yeah. a talented broadcaster. And R2C2, oh, I listen. I listened to two episodes. Or I was, I'm a little behind on R2C2, so I listened to two. I banged out two episodes today, and I love it. But um, in terms of, I've always, I mean, I've always wondered because Fordham's a Jesuit school, and sure, that's something that, you know, I I love prep, and I go to St. Joe's University myself right now. I okay. can't qu- I can't quit my my Jesuit education. But what? What what's in the water in Fordham? That's really my question. What do, they, <laughs> what do they do? What do they preach that separates themselves from the others? You know, is it necessarily of the the path that they put you on and the handshakes that you can shake and whatever? So what you know what what does Fordham do to put themselves and to be to give you the tools to be the most successful broadcasters and in the business? So so it's um it's an interesting question. Um, if if you if you look at a lot of and this goes for on, on the air and behind the scenes as well. Um, obviously, a lot more behind the scenes because there's just so many more positions behind the scenes. But you look at a couple of schools. Uh, Fordham comes up a lot. Syracuse comes up a lot. And, and there are different reasons, but we'll stick with, uh, with Fordham. Number one is where it is in New York City. So you have access to, to a lot of professional sports teams. Of course, the Yankees being one, the Mets being the other. You go to the NBA, you go to uh, NHL, the NFL, and all the other minor league teams. There's two minor league teams in Brooklyn and Staten Island. So you have all those opportunities there. Okay, great. But so does Columbia, and so does NYU, and you can go on and on and on as to all these schools have these opportunities. So why, why is there that extra thing, or why is there a track record? Well, it starts with a little bit of luck at first. Vin Scully went to Fordham, and, well, basically started the radio station at Fordham while he was playing baseball at Fordham. And, well, 
you know, he's he's arguably the best ever. So that's a good place to start. Yeah. Obviously, you, you didn't, we didn't know that in 1946. But since then, uh, people saw, and you know, you get a little lucky along the way. Mike Breen and Michael Kay were in school together. The station was student run, and they just had high standards. That's really the key, high standards. The station really changed hands and really revamped into cultivating those relationships. Uh, and the station at Fordham is WFUV, which you can you can hear uh, in parts of northern New Jersey on 90.7 FM, uh, mostly a music station. But <laughs> to not go off track, uh, so after you know Mike Breen and Michael Kay, those guys both went to Fordham uh, in, in the 80s. And then the station kind of transitioned more to a professional radio station that just so happened to be on a college campus. And they brought in a couple of broadcast coaches. Marty Glickman was one. And then after Marty uh, Glickman retired and later passed, they brought in a second, um, who, uh, second executive producer by the name of Bob Ahrens in 2099, right around there. And he just really just revamped the whole program. He just retired recently um, within, the last, uh, within the last year. Um, but he was able to take a background that he had in production of commercials and contacts he had developed over a 40 or 50-year career. I took the job at, in Fordham when when he was uh, in his about 60 years old. And he just cultivated relationships with all those sports teams that we mentioned, was able to gain some press access. So in the locker room as a reporter, reporting for radio, completely legitimate. Use the sound bites on our website now or on their website now. And, of course, uh, you know, in the mornings and such like that. So that radio station uh, really was key. Those relationships, the talk show that we have, or that they have uh, one-on-one, which is on Saturday afternoons, has been going for about 43 years now, uh, longer than WFAN, actually. Um, wow. Just wow. Uh, longest, uh, New York's longest-running sports call-in show is, is, is what they uh, call it. Uh, so uh, those opportunities, uh, you have the station, you have the, the alumni, and the alumni are very accessible. You mentioned Ryan Rucco. Um, other people who recent Spiro Ditas, who does NFL games on CBS and a couple others, especially the recent Tony Reale, these guys are very accessible to the people who, who participate in the radio station there. Um, and that's great. I mean, relationships we had, uh, somebody I went to school with, uh, actually, he was a little bit older than me did. Um, he's the new voice for the Cincinnati Bengals on TV for the preseason just started last night. They had a game on, on Thursday night this week. So it's all about sort of that relationships and it's been able to kind of build on itself. And Fordham also has a great academic program and a great academic communication side of things and journalism, as well as a great newspaper, and it's in New York City. So sort of all of those things have contributed to why, um, I wouldn't say if you want to make it big, but why a lot of people have been successful in the industry, kind of just building up uh, on what has come before and everyone having that high standard, not wanting to, um, you know, let anyone down who's come before them. I think you're pretty modest about the making it big part. You're pretty humble. You're very humble, Drew. I mean, really, like Fordham, they, they, I mean, I'm going to use the word, you know, studs usually describe. I mean, I, I get, I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd about this. I really, I really am from like, I'm a, I'm a criminal justice major who's a nerd about sports broadcasting. And, but really, they like Fordham produces studs. Like, you know, usually you describe an athlete as a stud, but they, they really do. And I, I, I kind of get, like I said, I, I'm like, I'm a nerd about it. I'm a nerd about, the play-by-play, um, sports radio, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a 
it's a um, how do I say this? It's a uh, it's a very rewarding career. There's a lot of work, and um, you know you you, you don't uh, necessarily uh, start really high. I've been fortunate where I've been able to, um, you know, I work for the Yankees a couple of games a year, probably probably about six or seven games on the scoreboard or so by the end of the season, which is which is incredible. Really is incredible, and um, you. Uh, flank that with other things that I do, and this is how every everyone does it. There's really no defined path. It's you, you have to have a certain attitude of of being a go getter, being hardworking, and also you know learn being able to always learn and, and uh, have a little have some skill to to start with. So it's a uh, it's been a cool path so far, and I wish I knew I could tell you where it was going. No idea, no clue, but we'll see. Yeah, that was act- I'm I'm not gonna let that was actually gonna be. A question I was going to ask you, like, like you know, the five years from now, where where is Drew Casey? You know, I, I that's something that I was going to ask because you've done so many different things. Well, I can tell you one thing: he won't be playing shortstop for the New York Yankees. <laughs> as, I, as I probably, as I probably would have said, let's see, eighteen years ago or something like that, or fifteen years ago uh, when I was still playing baseball, um, <clears throat> young, very very young, until I realized, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I'm not even playing in high school, so. We're not really not seeing the field very much, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Five years from now, it could be a lot of places. I hope I'm still with the Yankees. I, I really, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, but we'll see. Things are things are always changing. Um, you know, managing schedules. You you just never know. I could might not even be in the country for all I know, but probably. You did some work with the Olympics too, right? With Westwood One. I had a, a again. I'm fortunate to uh, to head to uh, Southwest Korea, head west to South Korea uh, this past uh, Olympics in February. So uh, let's see, it's August now, six months ago. Uh, wow, six months ago for about a month. Yeah, and helped with all of the pretty much any radio coverage you would have heard um, was out of Westwood One, which was branded with NBC, and I just had a, had an opportunity to be one of their one of their producers for their skiing coverage, uh, which was uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun out there. How how crazy is that? Because I mean, I, I tell you what, I freak out. Because I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm even freaking out right now. Like I don't have a lot of uh, besides like our little interview kind of talk with you. I don't have. I barely have any notes available, and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So I can't imagine. You said you covered skiing. So it was on the production side of things, but as the producer for our our play by play and color analyst. Uh, our color analyst really carried it. He was a, a former Olympic skier, so he knows a lot of the, the distinct disciplines. But you still need to know in case they have a question. Yeah, you want you want to be familiar with it. You're obviously not going to know. Uh, oh, uh, well, this skier from the Czech Republic's sister is actually the brother of this guy on the hockey team. No, I'm not, I'm not going to know that. And, and the broadcasters probably don't. Even, they might know that. Um, but just knowing the basics, uh, there was a learning curve for sure. I, I made sure I knew what was sort of going on. Uh, with, with skiing, once I kind of realized I was going to be doing a lot of that in the, from the production role, and then it's a lot of um, a little bit of creative thinking. So again, mm. radio is obviously sound audio. There's no pictures. So okay, if somebody's calling a skiing race in South Korea, all right. Now, how? Do, what, why is he in South Korea? How do we add value to that? Well, if he's not, if there's no sound behind that, well, why is he in South Korea? Why are people listening? Skiing down the hill, 43 seconds at um, gate number 10. No, you want some sound. So you know, thinking creatively of finding ways, which we didn't really have to do. It was kind of provided for us, but still using sound effects, things like that. 
editing things in place because you're not going to carry all 150 racers live and things like that. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a learning curve, but uh, that's what makes it fun sometimes. I'm doing uh, I'm doing a volleyball match coming up. Mar- Marquette is playing St. John's in volleyball. Uh, I think it's early October, but in late September I'll be watching. Marquette volleyball playing Wisconsin or somebody on the computer and just kind of refamiliarizing myself with the game and then going deeper into the teams. That's a little bit uh, kind of deeper than just a production role. But um, yeah, I guess it's, it's all about being, being prepared or having at least some talking points and everyone's different though. I mean, that's just how I go about it. Renato loves volleyball. I love volleyball. Right. Hey, Prep's got a pretty good team, right? Volleyball. Still do they? Huh? Does Prep still have a good team? Oh, um, yeah, they're, they're 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 competitive. Not as good as when we were at Prep. Uh, still competitive. All right. So you you also you mentioned before that, and this was going to be one of the things that I asked you. I'm glad you brought it up that you that you are in the locker room. How often are you in the locker room for the for the Yankees? So so whenever I cover uh cover a game, so I work directly for the Yankees and in the scoreboard role. Like I said, probably work out to be a five to seven games or so. Um. So if they win, we'll be down there recording things for the scoreboard the following day for Yankees uh, social media channels or Yankees on demand, depending on the story. If they if they lose, um, I'll st- we might not necessarily be recording anything, but I'll still usually go down there just to kind of get the mood and be familiar in case anything you know wild happens. Uh, the other night, I also do some stringing work still, which is a voice or report to send to radio stations far away. Uh, outside the New York area. And it was the night that Chase and Shreve got uh, got traded and he got the news and he was mm-hmm. crying in the locker room and things like that. So you didn't, really didn't expect that. But just being there, you kind of you, you go through that. So pretty much every game that I do get to cover, I've covered about um, between those two roles, probably about 15 to 20 games so far this season. Uh, that'll round up. Um, I'm going to get busy with college things soon, but it'll round up being about 25 or 30 games. Um, so in the locker room, probably 80% of those times. And it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. So what are, what are some, so here, I guess we'll, I guess we'll start off with this. Cause I mean, I could, you know, you could basically ask the question of who have you interviewed, but how about like funniest interaction you've had in the locker room post game, post game interview, or maybe you're not even asking a question to yourself, yeah. but like a, but like a moment where you're just like, what, what did he, what did he I've, just- I've got an answer for you really quick. Um, 2014 All-Star Game in Minneapolis. Uh, I was I was there covering it for the radio station at Fordham, and that was Derek Jeter's final season, final All-Star Game. Um, and you know, Derek had already had already spoken and done his thing. The other Yankees All-Star that season, me being from the radio station in New York, talked to everyone from New York, especially was Dallin Batances. It was right. his. Might have been his first All-Star game. If not his first, it was his second. Regardless, he didn't pitch in the game. So nobody was talking to him uh, for, you know, they had gotten all their stories about what it's like to be an All-Star before that. Talking to Patances, just asking about the experience or you bummed he didn't get in, um, thoughts on Jeter's last game and his performance and all that. In the middle of that question sequence, it was me and Dylan just one-on-one. And we had we had spoken one or, once or twice before. I don't think he really recognized me. But regardless, Jeter comes over and tells Dylan something to the effect of, I'll see you on the plane or I'll see you in a little bit. I got to go do this. But because they were the only two Yankees and they were obviously going back to New York or to wherever the next road trip was together. 
have the conversation just while I'm talking. And here's the, here's the punchline of the story. Derek finishes a quick conversation with Dallin. He turns to me and he says, so sorry for interrupting you. Have a nice night. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what, what, well now, and then Dylan Batanzas, and then the crazy, and, and Batanzas, uh, Dylan saved me at this point. He just picked up right where he was in the middle of an answer. Because I was just, this was, um, you know, this, I had really had not covered a lot of games at this point, especially now. This is my first All-Star game. Really cool experience. I didn't think this was going to happen. And then for, for Derek Jeter, somebody, you know, that obviously I, I, I grew up watching and probably at that time was, and probably still is, was one of my favorite players as a fan. Um, I was just like, I was a little, that was the most I've ever been starstruck in the job, but it was a great lesson. Uh, and also, a great, I think it's a great story, um, but a great lesson in the fact that it's still a job. You still got to do it. But uh, if Patances kind of just stared at me, I don't know what would have happened <laughs> for that. <laughs> maybe like five to 10 seconds after that happened of me processing sort of what had went down. Uh, but it was, uh, it was pretty funny. We, uh, was able to smile after that for sure. Uh, but it was, uh, that was the, uh, oddest interaction. Well, not oddest, but coolest, I guess you could say. So far. Now, now you said that was in a, that was in 2014, right? I believe it was 2014 in Minneapolis. So at that point you're, you're like a freshman. So I was, um, I think I was 19 years old. It was, it was during the summer. So I must've been heading into, yeah, my second, second year of college. Um, yeah. So I was heading into be a sophomore. So you're, you're, you're interviewing Dylan Patances. There's nobody else up there. Nobody and else in the locker room near him. Derek Jeter comes up, interrupts you, which was probably the, correct. Probably that's how, that's how I tell the story in the short version. <laughs> Derek Jeter interrupted me and then he apologized to me for interrupting. <laughs> me, basically is what happened. Oh my God. So you're, you probably, you probably, you probably were like, Fro- were you frozen? Like what? I, what were you? I, what were you? Were you I, cool I about it? I think that's exactly. I think I just said, "Oh, okay." And then I, after I like turned back towards Patantis, uh, he, like I said, he started just he just picked right up where he was. Whatever question I had asked him, and I think at that moment, while I was holding my microphone, of course, I mean I'm six two, but Dylan Patantis is a lot taller than me. I'm still holding it up. Um, he's answering the question, and he wasn't just like two words. It was a couple of words, and as he was speaking. No way I was listening to what he was saying. I was kind of just <laughs> trying to refocus and process what, what had happened. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a cool moment uh, for sure, and especially to, uh, to be there. Covering an All-Star game was a lot of fun. Man, that's awesome. That's absolutely. And I, and I can only, only imagine. I mean, you're 6'2", and I can only imagine, like, some of the smaller, like, reporters. and Oh, yeah. And like uh, beat writers, and they're there, and you know, you know, five nine, five ten oh, is an yeah. is an average size, and then you have Judge and Batances who are six eight. Like, and- <laughs> yeah, as as I'm sure you guys know and have heard, do not get into a fight with the 2018 New York Yankees. They have a <laughs> serious size advantage over, I think, anyone in this league. Oh my God, you you would see, you know, you saw Shane Robinson, you know, going up for a bunt. And, you know, they were throwing, you know, they were, they were kind of like throwing out his head and, you know, was that, this was in Boston mm-hmm. and you just see, you see Giancarlo, like, you, you know, when John, Giancarlo's had a few times this year, you know, you, you kind of get to know Giancarlo, like the more, like more and more like looks and stuff that he gives, he gives like the scariest stare down. 
I like have ever seen. He does these things with like his eyebrows and it's incredibly scary. And then Cece just comes walking in and be like, Hey, are we fighting? Is this like a thing that's happening? <laughs> like he comes walking from like the back of the dugout. And, you know, uh, I follow some people on, uh, on Twitter, you know, like John, John boy. I don't know if you, li- I don't know if you know, like talking yanks and some of the other smaller podcasts, but mm-hmm. um, they make gifts, you know, that's what everybody does. Yeah, yeah. They, make, they make gifts now. And, um, <laughs> and, the way that they like commentate on, I find it be funny. And CC was like, yo, yo, we fighting. This is like, he's like, he's like poking up his head as he's walking <laughs> towards the front of the dugout. But yeah, no, you don't want no, to get a fight with this Yankee team. No, <laughs> but they, but there've been a few times where it's been like, okay, like, and, and I'll, and I'll say this for you, Drew, I know you work for the Yankees, but I'll say this for you. Um, they were throwing at Shane Robinson's head. They, they were throwing at Shane Robinson as he was put trying to put out a bunt, and they weren't even doing it intentionally. So I don't even know they were, but they were like ready to go. But there was absolutely no reason to. It was, it was very corny, extremely corny thing to do. What do you think about that, Renato? I've been talking too much. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, that that the whole situation is just like, come on, man. It was funny. <laughs> that, that's pretty much what it was. It was, it was just. I, I was ready to see Giancarlo CC and, and everyone just go at it. I was just ready for it. I was like, let's go. I could just see CC though. Like, like, yo, we fighting right now? Or is this, is this like happening? Every, every, I don't know. Go throughout the years. And every time someone gets hit, CC's like the first guy that dug out ready to start a fight. It's hilarious. He's like, I, I probably haven't watched the game in like three, four innings, but we fighting right now? Let's go. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So. So we are, I'm going to edit this part out, but I feel like this is a good natural transition. You got to like sense the transitions. I've been trying to sense the transitions as I've been starting this podcasting thing. So I think we're about, we're about 25 minutes in and that's pretty solid. Maybe a little bit more. I start at Renato. I always start the timer late. Always. Why? I never, I never start it right on time because it's, I have to get discipline. It's it's always like I'm three four minutes maybe like I'm maybe like three to five ten minutes in and then I'm like ah shit I didn't start the timer so then I start the timer to make sure that we don't that we're not on here for an hour and forty minutes there was Br- uh Brett um Drew <laughs> <laughs> Brett's not here I'll yeah. answer to anything pretty much Brett's not here Drew there was one time where I think this this little this was our first episode where we like I like got to the end of it and then I'm like. Because this Google Hangout thing doesn't tell you, like how like the the time that you've recorded. It's just you can just go and go and go. Okay. So there, the first episode that we did, I didn't have a timer. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we've been recording for two hours. <laughs> like I was like, I'm like, I'm like seventy percent sure we've been doing this for two hours. I trimmed it down to an hour and a half, and then I'm like, okay, that's 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 that. That's we can't have any of that. Even though there are like there, recently there have been pot Yankee podcasts that have been doing an hour and a half just because there's been so much to talk about. Neither here nor there. <laughs> Drew, thank you so much for that interview, that quote unquote interview portion. Renata, do you wanna you went to high school with Drew? Do you want to ask him anything? Any kind of like insights you have? Well, I'm gonna tell you an insight, Justin. Tell me an insight. Well, back when, when when I when I left prep and when Drew was starting, there was a thing called Marauder Radio Network. That's how pretty much I got to know Drew pretty much from from all the interactions with the the radio station we had. Pretty fun. So why don't we why don't we get into our state <laughs> of the evil empire? Dun, 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 dun. 
Renato, I want to start off with you. You've had some really up. I'm a pretty mellow guy. I'm a pretty mellow Yankees fan. You are pretty mellow. I will say that. Renato is not a mellow Yankees fan. He reacts to everything. I'm not a mellow fan of anything. (laughs) Drew, what are you you, now? Now, Drew, let me let let me ask. Are you did you grow up a Yankee fan? If not, you know, what you know, what what are your kind of like your your teams that you kind of grew up with? So I, I I did grow up a Yankee fan, uh, New York area supporter. Uh, well, New Jersey native, so big Devils guy. Um, carry over, carry over Nets fan, and unfortunately, I will not be on this podcast during football season. I don't think as a New York Jets fan. But like you said earlier, Sam Darnold, pretty good night tonight. Pretty good night tonight uh, against the Falcons in preseason game number one. But uh, Yankees fan growing up, but now it's it's a, it's a little bit different. So, 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 Drew, you pretty much tell me you like all my teams. That's great. That's, like, Is that, that's a four for four right there? That's a four for four. But that's, all right. What's wow. the least follow the NBA? At least follow them. Yeah. The only reason why, because I, like I said, Perfect. I grew up in a fan. But now, ever since they moved to Brooklyn, so whatever. I just don't care. Yeah. And they just haven't been very good either. So yeah. it doesn't help. <laughs> so, Drew, are you, are you more of a. I, I I can guess, but are you more of a kind of like reactionary person where you just like, oh, you know, you get like really mad like right away, like Renato, like Renato's like, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> or, are you more, or are you more like mellow and like take it easy and, and you're more of a, a, a big picture, laissez-faire kind of guy? So the um, sports media as a whole lends itself to be very reactionary, but uh, I am exactly the opposite, the uh, the latter there, the more long-term look assuming there is a long-term to look at we're not on september 30th right now and oh we have to win three more games we have zero games left that's 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 realism there but no more long-term uh laissez-faire not necessarily a reactionary unless it's something really really abhorrent or you know if you get a you know you never wish this anyway but if there's a major injury then you can kind of reactionary uh, but more so long-term so renato since um since mellow and long-term big picture is not fun, <laughs> why don't we start off with you? Throw out a topic, throw out a moment, throw words out, out of your mouth and project them vocally, and then we will talk about them. So, I mean, wait, wait, should I start with the Boston series? Should I just go go with that? Start with really. This is now because, like I said, this we haven't had a po- we haven't had an episode in in quite some time. Big picture, whatever. If you want to start with the Boston, if you want to start with, because there's honestly been patterns with this Yankee team, and I really feel oh, like yeah. I really feel like the Boston series they were just vomited. Like it was just it was just. Think of all the things, kind of like the little micro problems that were wrong with this Yankee team. You can really kind of pick them throughout the season. They were really just vomit. It like th- ni- nice picture, Justin, but <laughs> you know, nice mental picture. But they really were, in my opinion, they were just vomited out, and they were all exemplified and kind of like you kind of zoomed into what was wrong with this Yankee team throughout that four game series in Boston. So throw anything out there. So, so I, I'm going to start off with just that first game. That that four nothing lead, second inning, Fenway Park. You're thinking, all right, we got the Red Sox what they want them. We're going to win this first game, get the momentum in this series, hopefully win three or four like you guys wanted. What happens? Aaron Boone happened. <laughs> um, 
Yes, the bat didn't pitch efficiently, right? But he still could give you another inning, but no. Let's bring in Jonathan Holder, a rookie, into Fenway Park. We all know how rookies do in Fenway Park for the Yankees, right? We've seen it happen before. Um, um, Chase Wright, if you guys remember back in the day. Oh, wow, four, that's going way back. That's going way back. Gave up four homers in a row on Southern A Baseball in his, in his major league debut. That's pretty epic. Um, Holder pretty much essentially went one step further and gave up Southern runs without quitting now. So pretty good, right? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, that causes the game right there. Oh, right, right. Oh, that's right. We got one hit by Rick Priscilla, right? That's another one. Good like job. Game two. That's game two. Yeah, that was Friday night at a two-hour game. Right. That, that was the game that the offense literally had zero bites. Now, now note. Now, note about that. We'll go. We'll, we'll, I guess we're kind of just like recapping right now. Mm-hmm. Um. So we'll kind of like go back to kind of like these moments. So game two is Rick Porcello. The Yankees hit the ball really hard that game. Like they hit the Doesn't ball matter. hard. Doesn't matter. But and and right and I and I'm about and I'm about to say I was listening. I've been listening to John and Susan a lot more than I've been watching TV lately, just because I've I've been driving um in my car and they were meant and they were talking about exit velocity and I believe this was last night and I'm kind of like a I'm I'm kind of like a nerd too with like the um the whole analytic analytics thing. You know, if you've listened to this podcast, I think you obviously know that, but if you're a first time listener, I'm a mellow guy who thinks big picture and likes analytics. So I'm a typical millennial, right? Um, millennial baseball fan. And I kind of, you know, eggs to velocity. I kind of like to look at that. I like to have guys who hit the ball hard, but John and Susan said, if you put the ball in the air, doesn't matter how hard you hit it. It's when you put the ball on the ground and you look at, how hard John Carlos Stanton hits the ball, right? And how hard he hits the ball on the ground. And that's why he has so many infield singles. He hits the ball so hard on the ground. Infield always has to play back. So if he hits the ball, maybe not as hard on the ground, likely that he's going to beat it out for an infield single. So I kind of had, I kind of had like my epiphany because of how hard I've been on John Carlo um, because of his infield singles, because batting average, because batting average defenders bothers me. Oh, Brett, uh, Brett, I did it again. <laughs> I did it again. Drew, <clears throat> Drew, Drew's never going to come on because it's like that damn kid couldn't get my name right. Um, Drew, analytics, batting average. I'm a big I'm a big OPS guy instead of really looking at batting average. Where do you kind of fall on the spectrum? Are you kind of like medium where you kind of like the old school approach of like, I like guys that like get on base and batting average. Because in my opinion, batting average just shows contact. And then I have also other people on this podcast that that like batting average and don't like guys with a low batting average, et cetera, et cetera. Where, where do you kind of fall on the, 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 the spectrum? So, so un- until recently, I, I would say that I was, was still very much of the traditional source of, you know, if you're not hitting two, 275 or 280, then, then what are you doing in the major leagues? That was a couple of years ago. That that's changed. The game has changed. That's something that people are, are slowly starting to realize, you know, with the shifts and such. I mean, Mm-hmm. That's that's a very valuable part of what you're generating from analytics. I like WAR as a statistic because that kind of encompasses pretty much everything. And I've gotten bigger on OPS with more of the value of of runs. But other things like exit velo, where I would say I'm not quite exactly in line with with, with what John and Susan might have said in, in in that in that context. Um, but 
if you hit the ball hard, well, it doesn't matter how hard you hit it. If somebody with a glove catches it, it's an out. Or right. if you know, or if you foul it off, it's a foul ball. Um, but that said, it is pretty cool to see John Carlos Stanton hitting balls 120 miles an hour out of the stadium in oh. under two seconds or something like that. Um, but now I'm more of the uh, kind of uh, in the middle. I, I think would be fair. Uh, I've I've come a long way with to, to kind of lessen my stance on batting average, but by the same token, I don't want to go to another topic, but just as a digression, why is Jose Reyes still in baseball hitting one (laughs) 80-ish, 70-ish? I think you still need to be hitting above 230, 240, and you better have some power numbers to back that up if uh, if that's where you're at. I 100% agree with that. He's a Met lifer. What can you say? <laughs> the, the, the Mets kids can't run an organization, but it's neither here or there. They're rolling out the red carpet, and then they're gonna they're gonna let him go. He's gonna have his press conference at the end of the year, and that's gonna be that. Anyway, um, so you know, hit the ball off hard, Porcello. Game two against that Boston series, they just found Jackie Bradley Jr.'s glove for most of them. Hit the ball hard. Um, game three, Chance Adams, pretty decent well, start. Well, um. Ninth inning rally. Too little, too late. Too little, too late. And we, you kind of, you kind of saw that a few times, where Yankees, you, you saw that in the, um, the Royals series before. No, I'm damn it, bad podcasting. You saw that in the Orioles series before. Uh, you know, two outs. You gotta. I'm sorry, bottom of the ninth. You gotta. Oh, at the uh, the the, the game we went to. Right? Yeah, the game. The game. We were at that game. Glaber hit a. Home run, ninth inning, two outs, uh, too little, too late. But Chance Adams looked good, um, and that was pretty. That was pretty encouraging. Um, game four. Oh my god! You get Renato. You 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 take the wheel on this one for game four. Like everything, like okay. You think we had to at least one one against them, right? You score four runs off the bullpen in the seventh, and you're thinking, all right, we got we got Britain, we got Batances, we got Chapman, we got this. Get ball game, right? But what what does Chapman do? Explain to me what Chapman. Explain to the viewers, Justin. What did, what did Chapman do in the ninth inning? Well, I went. I'm gonna be honest. I went to bed. You went to bed. I put on John and well, Susan. Why did I, you go to bed? I turned on MLB at bat. Why? And I listened to John and Susan because that's how good Chapman's been this year. Yeah, that's but, how good yeah. Chapman. Chapman has been like you can kind of like you know. All right, kids, come on, get ready. Let's get ready to go there's home. Only, Chapman's coming in. There's only one guy that I'm ever going to feel comfortable in that situation, and we all know that's Mariano Rivera. That's it. No, I don't care who you are, especially at Fenway Park. It is never over till 27 outs. I have seen it throughout my whole life, Justin. Okay? I didn't go to sleep. I didn't go to sleep. I, 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 I just kept the game on the radio, <laughs> and I listened to the whole debacle. Um, it, it, it was it was bad. It, I. Just is it fair to say, uh, here, here we go. So, so instead of a set of a podcast, this is going to become a little bit like sports radio. Is it fair to say that Chapman has a bit of a a, a bugaboo against the uh, against the Red Sox that he has something? He has a little bit of something, something that he's got to like shake off, to, and no. he's not really no. like the best against them. No, I just think Boss has his number. Well, that well, that's what I'm kind of saying. Like but that, that's not bugaboo. That's just Chapman doesn't know how to disguise like. In that game, he walked the entire ballpark, Justin. The entire ballpark was being walked in that ninth inning. 
Okay. It was awful. And like he almost did that last night too. Yeah. Like there's times during the year that Chapman loses the control. And that's but, I mean, because you can that's you because, can count. Wait, that's because yeah. Boone doesn't pitch Chapman as much as he should pitch Chapman. Chapman's the one guy that needs work consistently. Hmm. They mentioned it on the uh, on the broadcast last night. I don't know if it was John Atsu. I think it was no, I think it was on TV. But how Romine yeah, it was on TV. If Romine was calling for off speed stuff because you kind of get the mechanics more when you throw the off speed compared to the fastball where you're a bit more it's it's a bit more wild. Mm-hmm. So I mean I I guess I guess I mean I, I guess you're right because you know it this baseball team and I think and I think um Drew you can speak to this a little bit and maybe some differences that you've seen between how this team is managed this year or maybe particularly like the bullpen. No, this is actually more lineup and bullpen kind of a conversation. Aaron Boone is very, I mentioned this word, laissez-faire. And that's what I kind of like about Aaron Boone, that he's very, like, mm. laissez-faire. He's not going to, and I know, Renato, you don't like that, but I kind of like that where Aaron Boone doesn't necessarily wear his emotions on his on his face, and he doesn't put everything, you know, he doesn't like, you don't see him visually being frustrated in the dugout. Joe Girardi, that would be the opposite. He would look miserable during press conferences. <laughs> And he, during the game, he looked miserable. In the during the game, he would look miserable. But during press conferences, you would see the hand would be over the face, and you would just be like, "Oh, Joe, you look." His miserable. hand was over the face during the like. I've seen it, like Yankee blowouts. He'd be like, "Hand over his face the whole time, like from seventh inning on." Just like, yeah. it's like, come on. Yeah. So there's there's a bit of a a difference in the way that it's managed, and really, it's 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 very conservative. And is that is that fair to say, Drew? I don't know if conservative is is the right word. I think I think it's 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 long term. So uh, the Yankees have, and, and you know, all teams sh- should have this information. And even if it's not backed up by data or math, it just seems logical. 162 games over the course of uh, roughly 185 to 200 days, somewhere in there, depending on rainouts and this and that, and when you start your season and opening day and all that. Over the course of that season, any human who's playing baseball every day, even you know, and baseball is not as taxing as football or other sports. That's that's clear. But if you play every day, you're you're going to get tired. You're going to break down. Look at all the injuries, all the arm injuries, and various other injuries. So the Yankees uh, have elected to go with a plan that will rest players on not necessarily a schedule, but Aaron Boone would say something to the effect of. I, I want. I like to. I wanted to give a guy a day during the series, and that's why he gave the guy off. He doesn't like pitching the bullpen, uh, anyone in the bullpen, more than two consecutive days. Which I, I don't even think he's pitched anyone three consecutive days. Maybe once. Not that I know. And, and one random uh, opportunity. So he's trying to conserve the energy for, you know, the the long goal, which is in terms of this season is the playoffs and getting and winning World Series number twenty eight. So that's the technique. And I, I think the one thing um, that a lot of I've seen from a lot of Yankee fans across, um, you know, various outlets as of late is that this team is terrible. This team is not. No, this team is on pace for for a hundred and three or so wins. I mean, most years, this year included, that would win you at least four divisions. Right. If the Astros weren't having a great year, they'd win five divisions. The Red Sox right now are on pace to be the third best team. In the history of baseball. So you have to acknowledge that yeah. a little bit. I know you, the Yankee fans will never want to say oh. the things about the Red Sox or give them any credit. 
But at a certain point, you have to give them a little credit. And the Yankees still have a shot. It's it's August. Uh, it's mid-August, and they play the Red Sox six more times, and their schedule is is favorable compared to the Red Sox. So uh, that's my sort of uh, from seeing you know Aaron Boone talk about it. Uh, pretty much, it, it's asked almost every day. Why why is is he not playing? Why is um, the big thing uh, that a lot of people hung their heads on was that double header uh, against the Royals? I think it was. Now we're going back probably three weeks or so, maybe even more. Um, when Shane Robinson played both games <laughs> and uh, a couple, many other players only played one. Well, the fact is, you know, you have to look at it. Will Shane Robinson be on the postseason roster? You know, hopefully not. Probably <laughs> not. He might be. And he's been, he's been playing pretty well. But there's a lot of things that go into it. And there's a lot of data that the Yankees use that, you know, proves this. You know, if you play 100 and. 45 games versus 155 games, you're going to be a lot more effective and a lot more healthy, not only this season, but in the long term. And that's just, you know, I, all the data you want can tell you that, but that's, that's pretty logical, I think. So that's sort of the mentality. Conservative, I think it's just sort of the, the they're, they're using information they now have at their fingertips and they, it's backed up. And I don't think they'll be giving, you know, if this becomes a, a much closer American League East race, I, I don't think the coaching staff will be giving, you know, Stan a day off with six games to go in the season. I think there'll be a certain point where, where that's sort of preserved. And the Yankees haven't had a lot of off days too. They really got uh, a tough situation with all those rainouts in April. Just kind of messed with a lot of things, but no, I think it's just, it's a different style and, and nothing against what it was last year. Joe Girardi just had a different style and, you know, he wore his emotions on his sleeve great personality um just or i mean a great character trait to have but you know yankees just decided to, to change that a little bit and it's it's worked too uh so far so yeah that's what i'd say i agree with a lot of what you said Bernardo. what do you have anything to say no, I, I mean i i agree with his opinion i mean there's not, there's nothing i could i could argue against that what I, mm, I can't go into the debate with this. It's not, it's not, it's not debatable. It's logic, hundred percent correct. I'm gonna find. Um, oh, it was today. There. So I had my first kind of like really like frustrating moment with. Now I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Boone specifically, but I'm just decision decision making. And like and like I said, you know, this and I've been saying this in our in our group chat as well. But I had and I haven't got, had the chance to say it since we haven't released a podcast. This Yankee team, I've been trying to talk Renato and Bokra, and you know those guys, and you know Brett. Brett's not really a Yankee fan, but I've been really trying to talk Renato and Bokra off of the ledge, be and be like this. Yan- this is still a great season. This is still a. Oh, I agree. Season. I agree. It is. And I, and I know. And I know you do. But I'm try. I I still try to well, like. I- Listen, talk everybody you know, off the ledge. Sometimes. You know why I get frustrated? Why? Ever since the offseason, I had this team as a World Series contender. That's why. Okay, I, 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 since I looked at the roster, I'm like, with the success we had last year and adding Giancarlo Stanton, I'm like, instead, it, it, it felt like oh four to me with that type of offense. It really did. And the 
So I so I said decision making and the little things that the Yankees have been. I don't want to say doing wrong. It's it's a fine it's a fine line here that we're talking about. I don't want to say doing wrong, but maybe they're not perfect. Every, no, there is no baseball team that is perfect. And one of the things that I would honestly say the Yankees aren't perfect about is and it's this approach and it's a long term approach. It is not a right now approach. It's a long-term approach. So they're not going to sacrifice their long-term goals in terms of who they're going to play, how much they're going to use somebody just to win right now. You look at tonight. They kept Tanaka in. Bad decision. They had they had one man out, two men on, three nothing ball game. Turned into a five nothing ball game. Inning over. Brett Gardner hits a home run, 5-1. Tanaka has 95 pitches, comes out for the next inning. There was nobody warming up at the bullpen until Tanaka allowed the fifth run to end the inning. And there was nobody warming up at the bullpen when there were two when there was two men on, one out, three nothing. Nobody warming up at the bullpen. I had a bit of an like, you know, like, come on, like get somebody warmed up. Get I know you trust Tanaka. I know he's had a really good, he's had a really good stretch. And I'm a huge soccer guy. Yes. You know any part about that? Remember, he took a CC in the ball and see 77 pitches. So. Yeah. So you, you think that they would kind of follow that same kind of trend. My overall point about this is, is that sometimes with this, I I said conservative, that may have been a that may have been a, a poor word choice, but with this long-term approach, you sometimes are throwing the white towel in on baseball games. That maybe sometimes you shouldn't necessarily throw the white towel in. You see, you saw it against Ronaldo. You were at this game. Was that not the biggest white flag against the Seattle Mariners when John Carlos Stanton came and he hit that home run and he hit he, it was a walk off home run. They brought in Chase and Shreve early in the game. Yeah, I, I literally when they brought Shreve, I'm like, oh, okay, game over. <laughs> and it was and it was before like the sixth inning, right? I would think was it in the in the fifth they brought him in. Pretty sure it was in the fifth inning. I think I, I was. I worked that game. I think it was like yeah, a weird, weird situational. Maybe a lefty lefty matchup. He pitched maybe just three batters. Oh, I hadn't pitched in a while. It, it was it was a little odd, but um, it was an odd spot for him to come in. That's for sure. Yeah. So there are just multiple times throughout the season where there have been some decisions that have been made where it's almost like we're waving the white flag on this game, and. I definitely don't. I, I definitely don't think that they did that during the Boston series, at really any point. Besides, I mean, because you, I, I guess game one is the most is the most uh, debated game in terms of who to bring in and who to leave in. But that that's what bothers me. That that times where I'm not. You see these past two seasons, how many great walk offs have we had? How many great comeback victories have we had? And you kind of want like Chase and Shreve. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, Chase and Shreve coming out of the bullpen in a five-run deficit. I get it. Sometimes it's necessary, but in the fifth inning, eh? Actually, in the eighth, in the eighth inning, absolutely. And it's same thing today. Garrett Cole in a four-run ball game coming out of the bullpen. There's still kind of like a chance to win the game and try to do something. This Yankee bullpen is so stacked. 
and it's so dense, and it's quote unquote the greatest bullpen ever assembled, according by some. Again, that's a sports radio. That's a sports radio thing that I I hear all the time. But I I don't not the biggest fan of that approach at times. At times, Justin, it's actually I'm going back to my stats here. It's actually the fourth inning with two outs. Wow. Yeah. With, then that was the Mariners game, right? And that was, I think that was Loisica's debut. Yeah, that was Loisica's It was, I believe it was. Did he pitch, what, two-thirds of an inning, Renato, in that game? Two innings. Oh, he pitched two innings. Wait, who, Loisica or Shreve? Oh, no, Shreve. Yeah, it's two innings, yeah, two innings. Two full innings, wow. Okay, I don't remember that. Yeah, he, he lasted a while, I remember. We kept him in a long time. It also could have been a thing where I think at that time the Yankees only had one lefty in the bullpen, and Seattle probably stacked it with left uh, – with lefties against the righty, the wide. I don't know. There's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot. Of, you always overanalyze, but right. Um, but no, that's a fair point. All right. So that's our that's our little. I I mean, talking Yanks. I I love this phrase. I love this phrase. I like using it in life. I like using it in sports. But talking Yanks kind of stole it. I, they stole it from me, even though I never said it. Laissez faire. So I kind of have to give them credit. Um, laissez-faire kind of approach by Boone and maybe some of the front office and the decision-making. So that's kind of like that kind of conversation. One, two guys, I, w- I want to talk about our rookies. Okay. Our friends, Miguel Andujar, Glaber Torres, mistakes. The spotlight was really on him during the Boston series, and the spotlight has really been on him the past few weeks, even before the Boston series. Mm-hmm. And... We can kind of argue that they've faltered, but then they've also succeeded and they've kind of elevated expectations, at least in my head, at least with my with my one guy that I want to say. But Renato and Drew, I want to hear maybe actually no, we'll start with Drew. From if you have you had any react uh, any interactions with Andujar or Glaber and maybe tell us a little bit about what you've what you've seen from them and maybe some overall impressions from the not even full season that we've seen them. Yeah, no, they're. they're um, I remember working the uh, de- Glaber's debut and and Andujar shortly then after. Uh, the two guys were very very close personally, coming up through the system uh, together and very good friends and obviously very talented talented players. But you know, the obviously the best thing you want to do as a young player is is come out and steal the show right away, and that's what they did. That's exactly what Miguel Andujar. And Glaber Torres did. Torres got hurt before the Torres was an all-star. Debuted April 22nd as a rookie, was was still an all-star. They've each have won rookie of the month. They're both going to be in rookie of the year conversation, um, pending sort of what what plays out here. Um, but uh, like I said, they they stole the show, and everyone's expectations were oh, th- these guys are grizzled veterans and they're gonna hit 280 and maybe even get 25 homers and 75 RBIs or, or something like that. You have to realize, I mean, they still might be on pace to do those things. You still have to realize these are young players, and a mistake is going to happen here or there. And when the spotlight is on you, those small mistakes can be magnified a lot larger, um, or a base running blunder, or an error in the field. Um, but they have, I think they've certainly overperformed year one expectations, and the future is, is that much brighter. There's a reason why, well, obviously for Torres, why he was sort of untradeable. Um, and the same for, for Andujar, unless it was some crazy return uh, that, that that Brian Cashman and, and co. were looking for. But 
No, I, I think, uh, yes, there were some mistakes, and, and yes, they were addressed and talked about, um, but, and you can't give them, I mean, this is professional sports, you can't give anyone a pass, but still have to realize that it's, you know, I don't want to cop out for them or give them an excuse, but, you know, if, if, again, this is my long-term thinking. Mm -hmm. Long-term, they've certainly, you know, maybe they underperformed in some of those situations, but overall it's a net, I think, extreme positive. But uh, no, they're, they're fun to watch. They're certainly fun to watch. Uh, but no, they're, they're only going to get better and better, I think. Yeah, and I was the. If you go back to the first episode of this of this podcast, I then I actually had to apologize in episode two. I was really hard on Glaber Torres, and it was for this. I don't want to say lackadaisical, but it it just didn't. It and, and honestly, what what they have been is they've been mental errors. I, I think especially on Glaber's part, they've been kind of like these mental errors that he's had, and then he you can you can visually see that he gets down on himself. It's it's very it's very obvious, you know. Some players wear their emotions on their sleeve, you know, kind of like we talked about Joe Girardi. Some players, you know, really get frustrated, and you, you can see it. Some guys like Sonny Gray like to laugh it off, and then you know, fans get really angry about that. Um, but or you, get, or you get Greg Berg who looks like a zombie every time he's at the plate, or you get no reaction, and guys are just <laughs> you know, guys just try to get locked in in whatever way they can if they don't do too good. But Glaber looks like a like like a sad puppy dog, you know, he's. 21 years old he's 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 a you know he's a cute i'm i'm 20 but you know he, he looks looks like a he looks like a cute kid on the field and when he gets sad he pouts like a puppy i mean it's just what he does and you could see it though you could see that he really gets down on himself and i saw this back if you remember the Royals series where we were in kansas city and cc sabathia was on the mound that night i was in florida that's why i remember this glaber had like two hours and it really cost cc the game and there and it and that was a period of time where a lot of people were questioning CC Sabathia, and I was like, no, it's because he's had bad defense. And then lo and behold, CC's been pretty good ever since then. Neither here nor there. That ever since then, I kind of like really got on Glaber about the errors and the mental errors, errors on the scorecard, mental errors on the field. I really got on him. But then ever since then, he's been good. But then Glaber good, and then the Boston series comes along and. Even even these past few weeks, there's just been some some mental errors. Glaber, I really feel like hasn't risen above that yet. From like there's there's like this period of time where yeah, even though he did hit, you know, you know, he hit two home runs that last game against the that last game against the Orioles, and nobody was talking about it because of the errors that he committed. And that's tough. That's like really tough that you hit two home runs and nobody's talking about your great offensive performance. But somebody that I really feel like he has rose above his struggles is Andujar. I really feel like he's, despite all of these things that have been kind of going wrong for him, he's really risen above it. And you can, again, it's something that you can see. It's like he's really running out these, you know, he's running out ground balls. And, you, and he's really, you saw he made a really good defensive play, diving defensive play against the White Sox. And of course, what he's doing with the bat is absolutely incredible. He's the, I think, you know, besides maybe, no, I think he is the best offensive player on the team right now. You can argue besides Stanton, but in terms of average and a collective body of work, Andujar really is the best offensive player on the team. Uh, and if, you, if you look at it, you remember uh, Brandon Drury, uh, 
Miguel Andujar, he didn't have a job. I no. mean, he, he's certainly, to go to the overperformed, I mean, he has had an exceptional season where he, he was not even guaranteed a single, okay, maybe not a single at bat, but, uh, you know, a, a, a single span of playing five to ten days in a row. Now he's playing seemingly every day. Uh, and to go back to what we said before, they're also getting some days off too. I mean, it's not, oh, if you're 30 versus 22 or 20 or 19, or Torres just turned 21, I think. Um, still need those, day, those, those, those days to recoup. But no, Andujar, he's been, he's been great. He's been great for this team. Now, Andujar's been a DH quite often, and you know Neil Walker's played a pretty good third base too. Now, Aaron Boone says it wasn't a timeout. Like, Andujar wasn't put in timeout for, uh, for some lackluster defensive play. And a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of twi- a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of level-headed people were like, yeah, definitely Andujar wasn't a bit of a Aaron Boone timeout for a day or two for playing DH. Do you think that he was do you think that he was kind of like in a in a bit of a, a timeout whenever Neil Walker would get some time at third base and he would be the DH? It's an interesting um interesting point. It's obviously possible. Um but I, I think another thing w- with with that specifically Neil Walker he had really he's really hitting the ball well mm. and is he um a better third baseman than Miguel Andujar defensively eh but he's more he's more of a veteran you can give him that right and like I said Andujar is playing third base every day and yeah you know maybe not I don't think timeout but hey okay take a day off relax get back to it forget about it and still go you know try and go three for four uh, at the plate for a day or two. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that that's something that I don't think we'll really ever know. But young players, um, I don't I would say I don't think so, but certainly possible. Now, Vernado, you've had your frustrations with Andujar, but especially really Glaber. Do you want to, do you want to talk about that for, for a few? I mean, I mean, both of them have, like like we were saying, they have come in a lot of mental errors this year, but it is part of their rookie process, and I think, like, I know, like, we've been hard with them at times, but I, I think they're both going to be very good players in the future, especially in their heart with his bat. His, his, bat, his bat speed is something to watch, man. Like, like how quick the guy releases his swing. It's just incredible. And in terms of Walker, I think he should, get, he should be playing every day right now. I really do. I, I I'm even saying put him in right field to Shane Robinson at this point. I hate Shane Robinson. That's just that just <laughs> he's not worth space in this team, but I just know. Yeah, I don't. Neil Walker. I remember he, when he played right field. I think it was the doubleheader against this again. We're talking about this again. The doubleheader against the Royals. He played an inning or two. Uh, he said after the game, <laughs> "Yeah, I've never played. I've never played the outfield since single A or wow. monkey ball." So I, I don't. Maybe he's 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 a, a you, I don't know. I'm telling you, from the two games I've seen Shane Robinson play in right field, I rather have Neil Walker. <laughs> he's bounced back. Robinson's bounced back defensively a little bit, but oh boy, were those that was that first series? Shane Robinson, Justin, how badly he misplayed that line drive. That that was bad. I 
that was bad. But oh, he's kind horrible. of recovered since then. Oh my goodness, great! I screamed. I, I usually don't scream. The second the ball was hit off the bat, I'm like, "Why are you running forward?" I I, <laughs> I screamed, and it was like instinct. Like I was like, "I was told in little league, the first step you take is backwards, not forward." <laughs> oh my god! But uh, yeah, um, you know who you know who I would like on this team. I would like Curtis Grannis on this team right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I have a. I, you want? I, my father has a quote. You want to hear what my what my father's quote was? What's what's your father's quote? It's good to want. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's still wait. Wait, the deadline's still not till September first, so still got a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Um, what just happened? Was there any? What the board just went to the uh, Phillies anyway? Um, um. I want to make one more point about Glaber. I want to make one more point about Glaber, and then we'll and then maybe we'll move on for a few more minutes, and then we'll wrap up. Um, oh, breaking news! Breaking news! I got breaking news! Breaking news! Breaking news! Oh, this is fun! This is exciting! Yes, first breaking news of bleeding blue. Go. Aaron Boone says Neil Walker is dealing with neck pain and some sort of illness. Oh, is it hand, foot, and mouth disease? It could be hand, foot, and mouth. We don't know. We don't know. Oh, Jesus! Oh boy! That's, that's not good news there for the Yankees. Tyler Wade, here we come. Um, no, Torres, here we come. Oh, Torres, yeah, that's right. Let's bring He's up been killing it. He's been killing it. Bring up you want you want to know what you want to know what this team and, and Drew? Maybe you can maybe you could speak on this a little bit. You know, I'm not I'm not in the locker room. Nobody nobody on Twitter is in the locker room. But this team, it kind of feels like they need that kind of presence again. And I can't even honestly tell you what kind of presence Ronald Torres had. All everyone knows is that he just had a really good presence in the Yankee locker room. Do, do you do you guys kind of feel like maybe this is the type of presence that this Yankee team needs right now? And I'm not saying, oh, they're going to turn around and go on a huge winning streak now. Mm-hmm. But it, just in terms of, I don't know, overall morale and maybe energy. Because I feel like that's yeah. something that Yankee fans really want right now. And that's just overall energy. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I mean, uh, there was a long stretch when, when Torres got sent down, I think every in, I guess it was late April, early May, everyone was 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 really shocked, to be honest, with, with the roster. You know, it was a, you know, you use the expression, it's a good problem to have. Well, it's not a very good problem for Ronald Torres to be playing in AAA when he'd probably be starting on most major league teams mm. uh, outside of, you know, probably the top, seven or eight teams in the league. Um, and then he had the unfortunate family situation, which really kept him, you know, obviously out of the big leagues and not even playing baseball for what I think ended up being over, over a month or six mm-hmm. weeks or so. And happily everything from what I've heard is that everything is, is a okay with with his wife and family, which is of course, you know, priority number one. And since he's gotten back to baseball, yeah, you're right. He's, he's been, you know, just, just being back playing triple a ball on Scranton, um, I think, I think it would be, it would be some sort of, it would be an energy boost. Um, and, and certainly, you know, he's not just holding a spot on the roster. If he's at where he was and has been these last, you know, year, year and a half of just play every fifth day and okay, he's going to go three for four or pinch hit or play defense. He's a very good defender. Mm-hmm. I think you certainly be energy energized the team, but again, it's a roster situation. I guess Luke Voigt would be the obvious um, move. 
Um, but then you don't have another first baseman, et cetera. So you have Walker. Um, then you worry about options with Void and things like that. But um, I think the bigger thing is that locker room needs Aaron Judge back mm. in the lineup. He's still been able to be present with the, um, I don't want to say odd injury, but just the not do anything. You can't do anything for it. He's still lifting weights, still doing everything except swinging a bat, which seems odd to me. Yeah. Um, but having him back in that lineup, I think would just really help rejuvenate this team as well. But I would like to see, I think the Yankees would like to see, see Ronald Torres back. Cause not only is he a great guy and everything, but he, he adds to this team, the depth of this team. I mean, they have a legitimate 40 man roster but they can only have 25 guys. And he'll be up in September, too. You have to remember that. September, you got those six games against the Red Sox. They're all in September. The way it's shaking out, if you still want that division goal, you at least have to go four and two. You probably have to go five and one in those six games and take care of business against, really, the rest of the schedule, which is, what, 80% against teams with records below 500, maybe even 85%. So... Yeah, I would say I, I would say uh, getting toe back up some uh, Saturday Saturday Night Live uh, <laughs> cooler shots with Didi would be uh, would be welcomed uh, for Yankees universe. Yeah, this was something that we that we talked about in in an unreleased portion of a, of a podcast that Renato and I had. We did like a forty minute like talking thing, and we talked about the presence of Aaron Judge in a lineup. And also in a locker room too. Like there probably was a little bit, you know, brief period of time where after Judge got hurt, where he wasn't actually present with the team. But he's the first one out every single home game. First one out leads the team. He's the first. He's the guy that brings everybody back into the dugout, pats him on the, gives him a tap. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yeah. You know, he he's he's the you think of the Yankees. You know, you, you, the first picture that comes to your mind right now is Aaron Judge. Yeah, he's certainly becoming, I, I think, the, the the face of the Yankees if he's not really that already. Of course, you have veterans like CC, you have Seve coming up, and you now have Stanton, of course, right. and then uh, other players as well. But he's certainly certainly that face uh, face of this team, and he, and he just exudes energy. I mean, he's right. he's not just a great baseball player; he's has a great attitude about about life too and he just he he ha- he knows you know how to play baseball play it well and have some fun too while doing it and that's why everyone one loves him so when he gets back which you know you hope is from what i've heard it, it, it's an injury where you can't really put a timetable on it because it's all about well, when he doesn't feel pain on the full range of motion of his right wrist but he's still throwing and lift the thing that really confuses me is the whole lifting weights. Because if you're lifting weights, I would feel like you're using your full range of motion of your wrist, mm. but apparently not, which which is good. So it's not that serious. So it should just be a matter of time. That three weeks, I think everyone knew was a little uh, optimistic. But once apparently that pain subsides or is non-existent, whatever the threshold they want, of course, it's. I think a lot of it's based on just judge uh, how he feels. And I don't know how really Steve Donahue and the trainers communicate that. When is it right? I'm sure they have, they, they do. And no one's going to take any chances. Um, 
you know, to come back a game or two earlier than would be would be right. It, it's just once once that's gone, I think it's only going to be a couple of days. I don't necessarily think he's going to need rehab or anything like that. So, no. you know, say tomorrow, oh, the pain's gone. He might be in the lineup Wednesday or even, I, even I, Tuesday. I, I've heard that they're sitting to go to rehab games. That's what I heard. Oh, they think he will go to rehab games? That, 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 I think, like, in order to get a swing right and get his momentum going, they may send him to, like, scram for a couple games. I can yeah, see that. Yeah, because the way that the Yankees initially worded it and – the Yankees, they, they're 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 so good in a lot of the in a lot of different ways, and not just baseball. Like the way that they worded that tweet that came out after that Royals game, and Renato were and I were there as well. We go we go to a lot of Yankee games, and we look for you, Drew. Um, <laughs> he is not going to be able to swing a baseball bat in like a game situation for three weeks. So they didn't say he's going to be out for three weeks. He just said, they just said in a game situation, Aaron judge will not be able to swing a bat for three, you know? So it's kind of like, well, uh, yeah. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. So he can be out for three weeks, but it's, it was funky. Like they, they're smart. The Yankees are smart, and I know you already know this, Drew. <laughs> the Yankees are smart in the way that they deal with their players and the way they deal with their their PR. They're just smart. Um, so, but you know, his presence and just somebody that you, you know. Overall, my overall point is that somebody that you could just look to in a lineup, like you know, judges coming up, and you, you play fans. Not only fans don't get excited, I can imagine that just excites a team. Like you know, oh, we you know. Instead of looking at the top of your order, and you know, obviously Aaron Hicks has proven himself this year, but you know, you get pumped because you got Gardner, who's at the top of your order. You got pumped because you got Judge. You got pumped because you got Sanchez. You get pumped because you have um, Sanchez. Um, oh, you know, you, you it just rallies a team. Instead, you know, you have Walker and Romine and Higgy and Robinson. And, you know, that's it's. Obviously, these guys are trying their best to win, but in terms of just energy, morale, boosters, getting the team going, Judge getting Judge back, getting Sanchez back. I feel like we've all forgotten about my my best friend, Gary Sanchez. Getting those guys back is so key for this team, and part of the reason why I'm not super frustrated with this baseball team that the fact that they haven't necessarily played their best baseball because they're missing two of their... So we had some audio cut out at the end there. But that was basically the end of our conversation with Drew Casey. Thank you so much to Drew for coming on. Like I said earlier in the podcast, we're going to be developing some sort of schedule for Bleeding Blue once the fall hits and everybody gets into like their routines. I'm going to be in D.C. Renato's going to be working in Jersey City. Boker will be here in New Jersey, in Middlesex County, Woodbridge, New Jersey. So we'll all be in different spots. But... So excited for the fall. So excited to continue this podcast. I won't be bad with uploading episodes anymore. I promise, I promise, I promise. Once again, thank you so much to Drew for coming on. Hopefully we'll have him on again. Hopefully we'll have him on again when it's a deep postseason run and we're talking in October, maybe even November. But without further ado, let's bleed blue. Go Giants, go Giants, go Yankees, go Yankees, go Yankees. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this one. This was a really fun conversation. Hope you enjoyed. And until next time, bleed blue and peace.
Ball and Play 2 presented by DraftKings is underway. Head over to our Warehouse Games channel to see all the action from Ball and Play. Get some skin in the game and download the DraftKings app right now. Don't forget to use our promo code WAREHOUSE. That's promo code WAREHOUSE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours.